Welcome to a new sponsor, A.N. Weber Incorporated. Now in their 76th year, Weber has offices in Kankakee, Illinois, Nashville, Tennessee, El Paso, Texas, and Chandler, Arizona. Whether you're looking for company equipment to haul dry van or flatbed freight, or logistic services for all types of freight, or even a career in driving, maintenance, or sales, call Mark Tedford at 815-939-2235. You can apply online at anweber.com. Weber has immediate openings for drivers in all areas and mechanical technicians in Kankakee, Illinois, and El Paso, Texas. Weber is also looking for logistic agents across the country. Again, call Mark Tedford at 815-939-2235 or apply online at anweber.com. Greetings, folks, and welcome to the 44th edition of Weber's Whipping Post. I'm Weber, and I'm delighted you took the time to listen. This episode is entitled, The Menage a Trois from Hell. Hey, this podcast is brought to you by Jeff and Brandon Chero at Core Street Ford, now in their 40th year servicing the Kankakee County area. Stop by their showroom at 558 William Latham Drive in Bourbon A. You can save up to $6,000 on a selection of Ford 150 pickups. Coast Street Ford is open from Monday through Saturday, offering new car and truck sales, pre-owned autos, and vehicle servicing. You can call them at 815-939-9600 or check out their website at www.courtstreetford.com. Order the Ford of your dreams today. Wow, even the media, whom can't be trusted, is admitting that Biden's approval rating has tanked and that Trump is finally beating him. That must have really pained them to report that. I'm surprised they did it at all. Suppose they are waking up to the fact that their boy Biden is going to lose and the Democrats need to get someone else in there to run against Trump. After all, they are also simultaneously reporting that if Trump wins, he will make himself a dictator just to scare the bejesus out of the snowflakes. Anybody that believes that malarkey shouldn't be allowed to vote. Even if Trump wanted to make himself dictator, the system of checks and balances set forth by our founding fathers would prevent him from doing so. People believing that are the same people who have no concept of American history or civics. But for the life of me, I can't understand why the media does this. What does the mainstream media have to gain by helping to turn this country socialist or worst communist? I keep asking myself that question and cannot think of an answer. Why are most of the editors so liberal? You know, I would love to hear from an editor or someone from the media or anybody that can explain what is in it for the media if this country were to turn socialistic. This past week, they finally got around to indicting Hunter Biden for tax evasion. Incredibly, the indictment does not mention his old man, Joe. The reason is obvious. The Department of Injustice and the FBI are corrupt, which I have been telling anyone that would listen for the last three years. 
Christopher Ray and Bill Burns sitting at the top of the heap at these two agencies, both belong in prison for insurrection, as does most of their predecessors. The great writer for the New York Post and author of the book Laptop from Hell, Amanda Devine, in her recent opinion of piece, reported that IRS whistleblowers Joseph Ziegler and Gary Shapley keep telling Congress that every investigative avenue that led to Joe Biden was blocked. Examples of being blocked are as follows. The document alleging Joe was bribed $5 million from Ukraine was kept from investigators. Keep in mind, folks, that $5 million was our money given the billions we keep forking over to the Ukraine. Investigators were refused access to Hunter's laptop, the one given to the FBI all the way back in 2019. They requested a search warrant on Joe's Delaware home, which was denied. Now contrast that to the illegal raid on Trump's home. Hunter's lawyers were tipped that investigators were going to search Hunter's storage units. When interviewing witnesses, they were not allowed to ask questions about the big guy known as Joe Biden. Also, Biden family members were not allowed to be interviewed. Do you remember Hunter's statement, I am sitting here with my father and he would like to understand why the commitment made has not been fulfilled? Hunter wrote to CEFC employee Raymond Zhao on July 30th, 2017, in a WhatsApp message presented to Congress this year by the IRS whistleblowers. Hunter continued, I will make certain that between the man sitting next to me and every person he knows and my ability to forever hold a grudge that you will regret not following my direction. I am sitting here waiting for the call with my father. That message resulted in a $5 million transfer from CEFC in China to Hunter's account backed up by bank records and showing $40,000 of that money went directly to old man Biden. Then the dumbass, Hunter, was supposed to appear before Congress last Wednesday, but chose to hold a ridiculous press conference called a stunt outside in D.C. instead. The bastard was even smirking about it. He might be held in contempt, although it is doubtful anything will come of it. Imagine what would happen if you didn't show up to answer a congressional subpoena. By God, next time I won't, and you shouldn't either. There are two systems of government going on in this country, folks, and it's time we take our damn country back. Speaking of Joe, it looks like the House has gotten around to an impeachment inquiry against Biden, which might put an end to his 2024 ambitions of getting reelected. This is not an impeachment like they did regularly to Trump, folks, but an impeachment inquiry, as in more investigation. After all this time, they had to announce they were going to do an inquiry. Oh, well, it was still not a good week for the Biden crime syndicate. Have you paid any attention to the three college presidents recently hauled before Congress to testify on their positions for allowing the anti-Semitism protest and riots in regard to the attack on Israel on October the 7th? The presidents of Harvard, MIT, 
and the University of Pennsylvania were hauled before Congress for a proper grilling on their inaction. First off, did anyone notice they were all women? I did, but there again, I'm from Chabance. After their stonewalling, stuttering, and dumb look responses, Congresswoman Elise Stefanik and Jarrett Moskowitz demanded the college's respective board of governors throw the trio out on their collective keisters. That would be Penn President Liz McGill, Harvard Honcho Claudine Gay, and MIT boss Sally Kornbluth. In an act of clarity, Liz McGill resigned the following day, but not the other two. In her testimony, Harvard President Gay, the first black president in Harvard history, testified that the calls for genocide of Jews requires context before they would violate school policy. That was like Bill Clinton saying, it depends on what your definition of is, is. Contact was the word she used, meaning background. Is there any friggin' background to explain the October 7th annihilation of innocent people? Does that ignorant bitch need further explanation of attack? Congressman Stefanak is to be lauded for her brave chastising of these women. She then slammed the chicken shit Harvard leadership, 11 leaders, for their decision to keep Gay on as its president. Then it came out that Ms. Gay plagiarized her way to the top over the course of 24 years, and Harvard knew it and did nothing about it. Veritas Christo et Ecclesiae, my ass. Ms. Gay is black, and Harvard leadership wanted nothing to do with firing her, despite how many people died on October the 7th or how many times she plagiarized someone else's work. It would naturally figure that 700 of the college's liberal professors have signed a letter opposing her firing. I believe this chicken shit response from Harvard is going to cost it greatly, and I for one am cheerleading the effort. Billionaire Bill Ackman has already said he will pull his support if they don't can gay. So far, Harvard has dug its in their heels, as has MIT in their support for Sally Kornbluth. That's the right, folks, and I hope they have to spend their billion-dollar endowment defending that right. Since I'm from Chabance, I'll say what nobody else in the media has the balls to say. Had Gay been a white man, she would have been fired before she ever appeared before Congress. More of our two-tiered justice system. Hell, a white conservative guy would have been fired for just thinking it. Speaking of white guys, did you hear where Boston Mayor Michelle Wu, the city's first Asian-American mayor, sent out invitations to a holiday party, which I would imagine taxpayers were footing the bill, in which was only intended for minority council members. Whiteys were supposed to stay home. Evidently, her aide, Denise Dos Santos, also black, screwed up and sent the invitation to elected of color holiday party to everyone rather than the six it applied to. By the way, elected is not a word. Oh, there was an apology from Dos Santos only to that she screwed up the invitation, not for excluding whites. Wu will invite whites to a party next week. 
I hope no whites show up. Mayor Wu, you are now a nominee for the Weber's Whipping Post Asshat of the Month Award. One of my favorite songs is a song named Go Now. It was first done by the Moody Blues and then later by Paul McCartney and Wings. I could never figure out why the two songs sounded so familiar and had trouble figuring out who was actually doing the song, which, if you know me, kind of bugged me. I pride myself on knowing who does what classic rock. Then one day I happened to trip across the fact that the writer and singer of the song was the same man, Denny Lane. I didn't realize Lane had ever been part of the Moody Blues. Well, sadly, Denny passed away last week at age 79. Are you like me and keep wondering how so many of these rockers live so long after the years of running hard and being put away wet? Also passing last week was Jeffrey Foskett, a longtime guitar picker for the Beach Boys. He obviously wasn't an original Beach Boy, but the original boys quit playing without help years ago. I saw the Beach Boys in Springfield, Illinois in the late 70s, and they had a whole backup band then. Hey there, this episode comes to you from the George Ryan Jr. Insurance Group. Everybody needs insurance, so why not buy from the great folks at George Ryan Jr. Insurance who supports programs like mine? You can depend on the George Ryan Jr. Insurance Company, so please go ahead and give George a call at 815-936-0075. That's 815-936-0075. Or look them up on their website and save on insurance at grinsure.com. Well, the Cubs are probably out of the race of re-signing Cody Bellinger. The Cubs signed Bellinger a year ago when he was a big fat question mark due to a couple of bad seasons. And then he had a great comeback with our Cubbies. Even I missed that he would be a comeback player of the year. Now he wants a ridiculous $250 million, a quarter of a billion dollars. But then I read, they're saying he might come back to the Cubs for $17.5 million on a one-year contract. They think they only need him for one year because of Pete Crow Armstrong, whom they got from the Mets. Perhaps nobody agreed to pay him that much. Did you notice I didn't mention Shoei Otani, whom the Cubs didn't sign but made a lot of noise about? I told you they wouldn't. He went to the Dodgers for a ridiculous 10-year, $700 million contract. I don't care how damn good he is, and he is good. Nobody is worth $70 bucks a year to play a game, and Dodgers fans are nuts if they show up for the games. For you that are going to show up, why don't you save the gas money and just send the Dodgers the money and stay home? By the way, he hasn't played an inning for the Dodgers, and already his Dodgers jersey number 17 has set a record for sales. When are people going to learn it is us paying those ridiculous salaries? By the way, again, when I was researching jersey sales, I ran across this interesting tidbit. The Chicago Bears have a quarterback named Justin Fields that is not panning out so well for the Bears. The Bears, who have two first-round picks in the next year's draft, are expected to take another quarterback. All this doesn't stop fans from buying Fields' jersey, though. 
It's the fourth highest selling jersey, proving once again that P.T. Barnum was right. You know, I listen to Dan Bongino podcast a lot. I like Dan. Don't hold that against me. I also listen to Locked on the Packers. And look how that's working out for me. After watching a movie that was produced by Barack Obama, Bongino is predicting that in the next year, China will unleash a cyber attack on us and take Taiwan back. He said that after watching the movie, Leave the World Behind, about a cyber attack that shuts down the country's power and crippling the United States. So I happened to be surfing through Netflix Tuesday night and found the movie Bongino was talking about. I didn't realize it was on Netflix or that Julia Roberts was in the movie. It also had Kevin Bacon for a minor role, and since I'm related to Bacon, a sixth cousin, I believe, I figured I had to watch the show. Frankly, I would have never watched a movie that the Obamas touched, but Bongino brought it up, and I figured I need to see what the hell he was talking about. He kept saying that anyone that watched it said it scared the hell out of them. The movie, which you probably should watch even if Obama will profit, is panned as a movie Obama thought was close to what might really happen to the U.S. As Bongino said, Obama probably has a lot of information the rest of us don't. It was said of the film, it's not really a message film, it's more of a reflection of where we're at. That would be Americans as a society. I wouldn't mention this, folks, had Bongino not been so adamant about the film. Keep in mind, he spent 10 years as a Secret Service agent. Like Obama, he knows things we don't. Last Thursday, Congress passed a record $866 billion defense policy. Almost a trillion bucks. This is a 3% increase from last year. Included in this bill was another 300 million bucks of our money for aid to Ukraine. Kind of ironic, Zelensky was running around the halls of Congress last week and gets another 300 million this year and another 300 million next year. Biden asked Congress for 61 billion with a B. How much of our damn money does Biden want to throw into that situation? We are $33 trillion in debt, you senile old son of a gun. Anyway, called the National Defense Authorization Act, it was voted in by a margin of 310 to 118, it is 3,100 pages long, making me wonder who read it and what else got stuck in there, courtesy of us schmucks. It is the 63rd year in a row this law has passed. On the plus side is that the troops will get a 5.2% increase and there are no provisions for abortion or transgenders. As a school assignment, my grandson Kane recently interviewed me about my thoughts on minimum wage. I love Kaner to death and I hope he understood what it was that I've told him. I explained to him that this country, and certainly the state of Illinois, doesn't need to tell employers what they should pay employees. The government cannot run a lemonade stand properly, so why do they think they can tell an employer what he needs to pay? 
Salary is a matter between employer and employee, and the government being the middleman only serves to screw it up. How the hell does some politician, who most likely never had a real job in their life, know what an employee is worth? If you own a McDonald's, can you afford to pay a person $25 an hour to flip a hamburger or ask if you want fries with that order? Those kind of jobs are meant for entry-level kids or secondary incomes, not for primary wage earners. Our capitalist society in which made this country the envy of the world works fine when the government stays the hell out of it. If an employer is underpaying, he or she will struggle with filling jobs and have to adjust accordingly. Speaking of Illinois, Governor Toilets Pritzker might have actually done something I agreed with. Last Friday, he lifted a 30-year moratorium on development of nuclear reactors in the state. Beginning in January of 2026, smaller reactors will be allowed to produce power. Not sure why there's only the smaller units, nor what comprises a smaller unit, but hey, it's a start. This might be the first time I've agreed with anything Pritzker has done outside of him breathing the same air we do. I like the idea of nuclear power, particularly in this age of environmental wackos. In full disclosure, I'm probably a little biased on this matter. I drove a semi for my father for two years back in the 70s. My primary job was to pick up loads from Chicago Bridge and Iron that were going to the various construction sites where reactors were being built. I delivered a lot of steel on flatbeds to the Illinois reactors in Braidwood, LaSalle, Clinton, Zion, and Byron. It was quite a thrill to actually drive the truck right into the reactor for unloading. Now here's a Christmas story. The White family of Lexington, Kentucky, found the perfect Christmas tree, took it home, and decorated it. They put it up in their family room just off the kitchen. Mr. White points out that it is the main room of the house where they watch TV and that they have three dogs. I tell you that because four days later, the family was away while their carpets were being professionally cleaned by the owner of Magic Carpet Cleaning. He noticed branches were moving in the tree, so he moved them around to see what was causing the commotion. After several minutes looking, he eventually found a baby owl living in the tree, blending in perfectly with the tree branches. The moral to that story is if you bought a real tree for your Christmas decorations, you might want to look a little further in it to see what might be living in there. Well, I had an author event at the Bourbon A Library promoting my book, Roll Me Away, that went well. I met some interesting people, including a relative from Hersher I didn't know previously. I spent a half hour talking to Ken, who did not agree with me politically, imagine that, but he was still very interesting. Wish Ken would have bought a book, though. My next event right now is scheduled in Chandler, Arizona in mid-January. If you have an interest in the book, it is being advertised right now at 20% off for a Christmas stocking stuffer until December the 20th. The price is 20 bucks, and I pick up the shipping, folks. I thought my publishing company was nuts, but they explained to me again that they've sold a few more books than I have. I will also have a tent at the Tucson Book Fair in mid-March. Email me at www.anweber1957 at gmail.com 
if you have any questions or would like to make an order. This podcast is brought to you by Hoffman Chiropractic Neurology, celebrating 30 years of practice. Dr. Hoffman specializes in general musculoskeletal conditions, neurology, sports injuries, acupuncture, electrodiagnostics, and comprehensive wellness management. Dr. Hoffman provides exceptional care for patients of all ages, from infants to elderly, from expectant moms to athletes. Dr. Hoffman's goal is to provide all patients a tailored treatment plan based on an extensive history, a thorough exam, and x-rays. Contact Hoffman Chiropractic Neurology for more information or to schedule 815-937-0446. And now for my latest commentary. I have had a mild interest in modern technology called AI or artificial intelligence for quite some time now. But with my limited knowledge of computers, I might know more about women than AI technology. And even though I've been married to a great woman for over 43 years, I don't have much of a clue about her either. Wikipedia states AI is the intelligence of machines or software as opposed to humanity's intelligence. Invented in 1956, but not really developed until 2012, 11 years later, it is in use throughout industry, government, and scientific communities. Google, Netflix, Amazon, YouTube, Siri, and Alexa are examples of companies already using AI. Did you follow that, folks? AI is already here and in use. While we were busy raising kids, trying not to die from COVID, trying to eke out a living, and all of other life's mundane activities, artificial intelligence has already been employed all around us. This is particularly aggravating to me, as I read AI is able to author novels at a time when I just finally got the time to do it myself. The thing about AI is it never stops learning and does so at speeds we cannot wrap our heads around. Its goals are general intelligence, including reasoning, knowledge, representation, planning, learning, natural language processing, perception, and support for robotics. Wait, support for robotics? Does that suspiciously sound like colluding against us? I have read articles and watch programs about AI. They either just scratch the surface or dive so deep my noggin cannot keep up. 60 Minutes reports on AI regularly, including last Sunday, when they reported on the quantum computer that competes with the atomic forces that created the universe. If I understand it correctly, this is already the next step up from AI. The government has gotten more involved in AI to monitor and control it so that someone cannot use it maliciously. Given what I know about politicians in general, the government's involvement certainly does not make me feel more comfortable. Think about AI in the hands of someone like Little Rocket Man from North Korea, Russian President Putin, some Iranian zealot, China's Xi, or even worse, Hillary, what difference does it make Clinton? Or consider the people who programmed AI. 
What if the programmer's mother did not make breakfast that morning, so he or she stomped out of mom's basement, arriving to work crabby and hungry? Meanwhile, they're in the middle of writing code for AI. Can you imagine what could go wrong? Worse, what if the programmer was a Biden voter? I tried to make light of this, but it is actually serious. There are so many wonderful projects AI might do, particularly in the fields of medicine or space technology, to name examples. It could be a game changer for diseases like cancer or diabetes. I might finally get to find out what's on the other side of one of those black holes. AI's value to humanity is greater than anything we've ever seen before and is only in its infancy. The potential for AI is infinite. But then I ran across an article that gave me heartburn. Chris Hutton of the Washington Examiner wrote a piece entitled, IBM and Meta Partner Up. In this piece, he reported more than 40 technology companies have partnered to create a group that will regulate the use of artificial intelligence. Regulate? I wondered who will be getting regulated and who will not. Called the AI Alliance, it claims to focus on responsible development of safety and security tools for AI models. Hutton also reported that Senator Chuck Schumer, who I trust about as much as a Nancy Pelosi, is hosting forums to address doomsday scenarios and national security. But Schumer's involvement pales in comparison to Meta being involved. Meta is a corporation formerly known as Facebook, owned by Mark Zuckerberg, about as trustworthy as Hunter Biden and a bag of Coke. Recall, it was Facebook that censored conservative thought, squelched alternative thinking about COVID, and suspended the account of a sitting president, Trump. Meta slash Zuckerberg has nearly 3 billion users, many of them children between the ages of 13 and 18. And now Meta already in bed with the government, has hooked up with artificial intelligence, the most technologically advanced innovation in the history of man. There is just no way to trust this menage a trois. Sadly, that horse is already out of the barn. Hey, that's all I got for you, folks. If you uh, like my podcast, please tell others. If you have a comment or a different opinion, please email me, aweber, two bees. 1957 at gmail.com and don't forget to order my book in time for Christmas. Thank you folks. Goodbye. <laughs>